0: All right, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. This is episode 102. Um, For everybody that's listening, please share this uh, podcast episode if you enjoy it and subscribe. You can subscribe on our YouTube channel, Apex Vaulting, or you can subscribe on iTunes Podcasts. also, you can follow us on The Real Apex Vaulting on Instagram, and we're also Apex Vaulting on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have any comments or questions, you can reach out to us at apexvaulting at gmail.com. Uh, today's episode, we have an awesome guest. Uh, I've known him for a long time, and uh, he was ribbing me for not having him on the podcast earlier, uh, Ethan Senecal. He has a lot of coaching experience. Also, he was a very good athlete. Um, he could hopefully speak about both of those things. Um, but Ethan, uh, why don't you introduce yourself to, to the audience? You know, where are you coach right now, what's your background, um, and then we can kind of talk about the topics that w- that we want to discuss.
1: Yeah, uh, thanks, Bronco, for finally having me on. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's been a few years. I think I've known you for at least ten years now. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, my name's Ethan Senecal. I'm the uh, coordinator of cross country and track and field at Susquehanna University. Um, It's a division three program in central Pennsylvania. Um, I grew up as a decathlete, you know, started as a pole vaulter a long, long time ago and just kind of got into the other events. Um, Started my coaching career in Rochester, New York at the Rochester Institute of Technology. Mm -hmm. Um, Moved up, moved back to uh, my alma mater, SUNY Brockport, for a few years and then eventually uh, moved my way down to Pennsylvania as a head coach at Marywood and I've been at Susquehanna now going into my fourth year. Um, It's been awesome. You know, I would say pole vaults probably my my passion, along with multis. Um But as a, a coordinator of the program, you know, there's a lot of things that we we have to do on a day to day basis here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and just to
0: to expand on a little bit your background, I think what's really uh, interesting and awesome about your background. Because, uh, you know, you have had coaches who have all different types of backgrounds. A lot of times it's distance based. But with you, yeah, you are a pole vaulter. You did do the multis. Uh, and then even from a coaching background, I mean, starting out at RIT, I mean, you had Mike Dempsey, who um, I know it still kills him. He didn't exactly jump 17 feet. It was like 16, 11 and whatever. Uh, but he he was an awesome vaulter and, and you, you know, groomed him. And then you went to Brockport, where now you expanded your role, and you worked with a lot of different um, athlete groups and event groups. Uh, but also, Brockport had a great pole vault uh, group, which I, I know you and Andy kind of—you know, Andy was the pole vault coach, but you worked together to help help build that even even better. And I think while you guys were there together, there you guys had some monster groups uh, of the vault. Um, and obviously you're taking all that experience and knowledge to these, these different programs that you've been to since, um, including Susquehanna.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. You know, when I moved back to my alma mater at Brockworth, they had just opened their new facility. Um, I was brought in more so to, you know, to run their meets. I was the jumps, the, uh, horizontal jumps coach. And I handled a lot of the recruiting. Um, Andy and I have worked together for a long time. I worked with him, you know, with his club as well, but I was part of recruiting. So I recruited a lot of, You know, those, those vaulters that came in, obviously that Zach Ferrara, he was a national champion while I was there. And while I can't take full credit for him, you know, it was awesome to work with Zach on a day-to-day basis.
0: Well, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah, like Zach is a perfect example of like, where I feel like it was such a team effort. For, for that athlete to become who he became, because I mean, a, a lot of people who, and and maybe people don't know the name Zach Friar. I mean, he was a USA qualifier a couple of years ago, his PR is 1710. But he was a guy that I think when he went into Brockport, was he like
1: 13, 13, six PR? Yeah. Yeah, I remember I was actually coaching locally at a Brockport High School at the time. And I remember mm-hmm. seeing him jumping and he was just this little ball of lightning, you know, he was so fast down the runway, had great technique in the takeoff. And I remember saying, like, when I first saw him, like, that kid's going to be really good someday. Yeah, you know, I think he came into Brockport probably it was like 12, 6, 13-ish PR mm-hmm. and just really put in the work every day, you know, whether it be well, the weight room on the track and the gymnastics room, whatever he had to do, he did. Right, yeah. right, and
0: and that that was that's always something that I've always looked towards. Like you know, talking about the Brockport program was like you know, you you have Andy the pole vault coach. He's doing doing the pole vault stuff. The strength and conditioning stuff was huge. And someone like Zach, you saw that physical transformation. You know, even one of my vaulters, uh, Gabby Mercurio, who went up there, she went from ten to eleven four. And I mean, the physical transformation is amazing too because they really put an emphasis on strength and conditioning. And I know, you know, I mean, right before we started this podcast, you were telling me about the weight room, uh, you know, and, and the program that you're doing right now at Susquehanna. And I know you're bringing that there. Um, I think that's, that's really, really important to have that holistic view of building an athlete. Cause sometimes even I think for pole vaulters, you know, they may find a school where, all right, there's a good pole vault coach. But you're going to need that strength and conditioning part, too, if you're really going to grow. And I think that was a huge part in Zach's development of going from that 12, 6, 13 to, you know, eventually, you know, even post collegially 17,
1: 10. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the formula is simple. You can't get faster. You can't jump higher if you don't get stronger. Right. And and obviously, there's a lot of different ways to get stronger. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, his commitment into the weight room, you can you can see both physically. Yes, to see it how how much he matured throughout yeah. his career, and it allowed him to you know get his takeoff further back and get on right. bigger because he was stronger and he was faster. Yeah. So yeah, it was awesome to work with him, and then there was a lot of others that came through the program. Um, throughout those years. And I took everything I learned at that program and kind of molded what I wanted my philosophy to be. And it has worked out great. You know, our program is doing really well now. Mm -hmm. Huge emphasis on the weight room and it's not just Walters, it's across the board, distance runners, throwers, sprinters, jumpers, you name it. We lift three to four times a week and we really get after it because you can't improve if you don't get stronger.
0: Right, Right. right.
1: Really big pillar of our program. Yeah, no, I think,
0: I think it's, it's super important. I I still remember one time I went to the Akron, uh, summit or convention when they were doing that. And I remember one year seeing Zach and it was like one year, there was a a stark difference in his his physique. And I remember I was like, dude, it's like his chest was out to here. His butt was out to there. I was like, that's it. I'm going to just bench and deadlift. That's it. (laughs) You know, I want to (laughs) look like Zach, you know, but I I mean, yeah, I think, you know, that that's certainly a, a very important piece and, um, well, I, I mean, I guess we can start this way and then we can talk about recruiting in a little bit, but since we're already talking about strength and conditioning, when you think about fall training, you know, I, I just did a podcast episode and I've been posting a little bit about how important fall training is to pole vaulters. And, and maybe we can speak specifically about pole vault. Um, but you know, it's like baseball is spring training, uh, the NFL, they have training camp in the summer. I always feel like fall is that perfect time of year for a pole vaulter to really, really go back to basics really work on some fundamentals. And like we're talking about right now is build that strength and conditioning that sometimes I, you know, and again, we can discuss this too. Sometimes I know it's difficult to, to really lift hard during the season. So fall is a perfect time to really build up that strength. I, I mean, what are, what are your thoughts about fall?
1: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in a hypertrophy phase right now we're, we're, we're working on really, you know, gaining muscle, getting bigger. Um, mm. That's for the whole team, not just the, right. the volunteers, but they're on the same program. Um, and just really, you know, we, we focus on a few main, main lifts, you know, we're doing our back squats, our bench press and our deadlift. Deadlift's really important. Mm-hmm. We're one of the few sports I think that does deadlift at our university. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of on our own separate program here. Um, I just really, I see a lot of the posterior chain work, how, how it affects the, the running mechanics and mm-hmm. how important it is for us. Um, so in the weight room, we're doing a lot of heavier stuff currently you know we're not right. doing uh we're, we're shooting for around five reps so usually we're doing a max of like 80 to 85 percent of mm-hmm. our you know our, our max for any of the lifts. but we're looking at around five reps for most of our workouts currently and we'll eventually work down to three and then one um but as far as like actual training goes in the vault you're right well, you know before I'm, I'm sorry before
0: you continue i just um if, if someone were to ask you, cause would kind of mentioned these offhand, like numbers to shoot for, like I always talk for pole vaulters, uh, lats are super important, right? Um, for what you're doing on the pole. And I always say if you could do 50% of your body weight in a in a weighted pull up, that's a pretty good number to shoot for. And then I always say for like the lower body lifts, I mean, you know, you've seen I'm sure plenty of literature, I was I always say like a good goal eventually for someone is double body weight for a lower body lift. I mean, what what would you say are kind of like goals? Because I remember one time touring um, Ohio State, and they're like, uh, their strength conditioning room for the football team. And it was amazing, because they had these, like, not leaderboards, but, like, numbers to shoot for. But it was, like, to be on the team, to be a starter, and then, like, Hall of Fame numbers. And it was, like, oh, wow, like, that's what you need. So what what are some numbers that you would say to a pole vaulter? It's, like, if you're really trying to be fast in the runway, if you're really trying to be efficient with your swing and push off, like, what what are some numbers in the weight room that might help? Yeah,
1: well, I mean, obviously – there's so much that goes into the ball. You know? Yeah. You know, that's going to be a strong core. Um, obviously, the higher your squat is, the higher, the stronger your core is going to be because you're right. You're need to support that weight. You right. Know? So I mean, I'll be honest. I've never really looked at exact numbers, but if I was to sit here and I've got my max sheet literally sitting right next to me, yeah. Maxes. It's right next to me, and I can look at it every day. You know, I would probably say our pull vaulters for back squat specifically are between 115 and 200 percent. You know, of their body weight. Right. I, I would, That's probably the number they shoot for deadlift is more is going to be closer to 200%. Bench press is not really a good indicator of of all that. I don't think it's not as much of a functional movement as I think the squat. What about Zach? I think Zach benched something crazy. That's Oh well, there's always exceptions to the rule. Like yeah, Zach was I think over 300, pretty yeah, pretty mm-hmm. early in his college career. I don't remember off the top of my head though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely think squat and deadlift are very important. We do a lot of uh, cleans, whether it be hang clean, uh, actual clean from the floor. Um, mm-hmm. we'll do some some snatch pulls. We don't actually do full snatches, but we do some some Olympic variations of lifts. Um, but uh, honestly, deadlift. Squat are the two biggest lifts for me as far as an indicator of where an athlete might be. Um, yeah. A lot of that comes straight from how fast they're going to be. You know, if, right. if you're and deadlift or high, you should be faster.
0: Right. Um,
1: right. So those are great indications. And I, I do want to make sure like anyone listening, like don't just jump under the bar and start right. late on. Cause you want to be strong. Like we build up to everything. We make sure like right. test our athletes early on. Um, we'll either do like a five rep test or a three rep test to kind of get an idea of where their max is, and then we train off of a training max. We don't use their actual max for, right. for, for training. We go off ninety percent of their max, and we make sure that their form is correct because that's extremely important. Yes. We're always paying attention to safety, making sure we've got spotters and all that type of stuff. Right. Um, but absolutely, squat deadlift to me are the most important lifts, and if I was had to put a number on it, probably between 150, 200 percent. is going to be right indicate where you are.
0: Probably yeah. Better. Yeah. No. And, and absolutely. And like you said, you know, it's not that you can't just slap the weight on the bar and try, right. You have to work up towards it. And like you said already, it's like you're lift, you guys, your team is lifting three, four times a week. And it's consistently week after week. And you just keep grinding. I, I saw a quote. I don't know if you've ever heard of Greg Panora. He's a power lifter, but he had this like one line where he posted on Instagram this summer, where it's like, you're going to get a lot more. He goes. I know that you're not going to like to hear this, but you're going to get a lot more from like a thousand shitty workouts than one amazing one. And it's like people have to have that idea of like, yeah, it's not always going to be fun. You're not always going to like PR. You're not going to always kill it in the weight room. But it's like to put that work in so that you can reach those numbers that you're talking about, like 150 to 200 percent of your body weight in in a lower body lift. That's what you have to do is just keep keep grinding. I think it's super important.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I have a similar quote. I say like without bad days, there wouldn't be good. You know, right. if, if every day was a, it was a good day, you know, it, that'd be a miracle. would be a perfect world. You know, you need those bad days to struggle through to really right. get those rewards.
0: Right. Yeah. hundred percent. So y- you were going to go into pole vault technique. So what yeah. do you like to do in, in fall with, with vaulters?
1: So unfortunately due to NCAA regulations, we are limited to how many weeks we can work with our, our right. student athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very fortunate. Uh, the way I coach is I, I Always asking questions. Why do you think you need to do this? Why are we doing this drill? I explain drills to them, so then our seniors can then run. You know their practices in the fall. So right. what we have currently is our our upperclassmen. You know they'll run jumping days with our student athletes. Um, we really like to focus on the run. You know the run is extremely important to mm. us. Um, I like to look at the vault at the vault in different sections. You've got your A, your B, your C, and your D. A is going to be your run. B is your takeoff. C is going to be your swing, and D is your top end. Without a good a can't have a good B. So right. we like to work it from the beginning. So we do a lot of runs um, and a lot of short stuff. We really take it back to the basics. We'll do some drills, maybe with banana hurdles or wickets, to really focus on you know, posture, running with the pole correctly, yeah. and just starting from starting from the beginning again. You know, and I, you know, we I like to use the short to long approach um, early season. Even once we start practice, we're only going to be doing short approaches, maybe three, fours, fives. Might get up to a six. And then as that season progresses, we like to extend it out to like your six, sevens, and eights. And I know there's different opinions on that. Some people like to do full runs all the time. I like to work on technique from a short run because you can get more reps in and it's easier on your body. Right. As a coordinator, I'm always conscious about injuries. And if you're beating on a kid every day, doing long runs every day, jumping every day, there's a higher risk of injury. So we need to make sure we take care of athletes. And I like the shorter stuff early. We love to use the fall to take advantage of that. Um, to be able to get out two or three days a week, jump from like maybe a three-step over a bungee. But a lot of times they're really just working on that run and takeoff. That's really yeah. what I want to see. Well, well I, I think also
0: what I, I find interesting is when you have a background in strength and conditioning and you understand the human body more, and not just from a muscular level, but a central nervous system level, you understand, like you said, if you're constantly hitting that long run, that's really, really hard on the CNS and you're going to fry someone. Now, I guess you could do things to modify the long run. So it's not as hard, like maybe you move the run in a few feet, you lower the grip, you smaller pole. But I always say it's like, hey, the the way I control the CNS is by your approach. If I keep you at threes, you're, there's no way you're going to get fried. You could probably do a three almost every day if you really, really wanted to, you know, right. whereas you can't do that from, you know, seven, eight, nine, you know? Um, so I I think that's, that's really important. Like once you start to wrap your head around the CNS thing, uh, the central nervous system fatigue, and you understand that and how that works. Um, Cause I think most people don't even understand. Like when you do something that's really, really intense, you need at least, what is it? 72, 78 hours recovery. And if Depending you on how if, taxing it was, yeah. Right, right. And then it's like, and then if you keep not respecting that time frame, it's like that even like makes that recovery period longer. Cause I've seen, I've seen athletes uh, on the vault side that, if they've tried to do long run too often, it might take like a week, two weeks to really see them bounce back fully. You know? Um, I mean, what's your experience with that as far as the central nervous system fatigue? So one of the
1: one of the philosophies we, uh, we have here at at Susquehanna and I've carried this through with me is hard days are hard. So Mm -hmm. hard days are hard. Easy days are easy. You need those recovery days to make sure your body's rested um, for injury prevention, mental health, all that stuff, you know? So, for an example, you know, um, let's say we lift on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Now, those okay. are our lifting days. So therefore I like our athletes to vault on a Tuesday, a Wednesday, or a Friday because mm-hmm. vault days typically end up being harder days. Right. So maybe on uh, Monday, if they were to practice every day, Monday might be like an easy, like core day, uh, maybe mm-hmm. do a little, you know, jog here and there M- Tuesday, they're going to go jump. They're going to come into the weight room after they jump and they're going right. to be tired uh, Wednesday might be even harder day. You know, we're not sure, Mm -hmm. but that when we get to Thursday, Thursday needs to be an easy day, right? If we've had two hard days in a row, we need to make sure that we're recovering, doing what we need to. So our body, you know, replenishes all of its nutrients and resets kind of from the chemical standpoint. Mm -hmm. Um, as you talk the CNS, the central nervous system is extremely important. And I see a lot of programs that might do like, uh, a workout on a Monday, and then they lift heavy on Tuesday. And then maybe they have a dual meet on a Wednesday and then they're working out again on Thursday and yeah, then Friday, yeah. they're gearing up for a big invite. So every day is hard. There's no time for your body. Right. To and that's a lot of the times when your central nervous system starts to break down, and you start seeing some injuries pop up, whether it be hips, lower leg injuries, those types of things.
0: Right. Well, and, and especially in an event like the pole vault, you know, it's, there's so much coordination involved. That's where it's like okay, the plant starts to get a little bit late or a little bit off. You know, you you don't can't set up the takeoff like you 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 want to, and then yeah, and then because those technical components are not working, I think that even causes you know technique breakdowns, and then that leads to injury as well. You know. Um, nice. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, we kind of went off into a tangent on the CNS, right. but yeah. So go, going back to like what you were talking about, how you treat like early season training for your vaulters. Um, and it, it's funny, I, I just did the podcast episode with Eric Bennett and I've, I've, I feel like I've always, uh, done posts about this on social media. It's like, yeah, you view the vault in segments. You have these different components, right? You went ABCD and it's like, I think that's super, super important. And especially in early season training, you have to have ways of training those segments and isolate them. Like, you know, you were talking about like the going over baby hurdles or, or wickets, um, you know, what are some other type of things that you work on? Like, how do you isolate maybe some of those other, other segments?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously each section can come with the, you know, they different type of drill, you know, obviously with your swing, you can go into the weight room. Maybe if you had rings, you know, you could do some book cuts, um, mm-hmm. to work on that swing, um, different rock back drills, you know, there's lots of different equipment out there that you can use to, to practice mm. that stuff. Um, different drills, whether on the mat, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do for your swing drills, you know, top end, there's some interesting drills you can do for top end. Some people, you know, you can get in the pool and do mm. some top end drills with like the, the underwater vaulting, you know, that's going to be really easy on your body. So you could call it an easy sure. day, but we're right. still getting technique in, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, so you're yeah. still working on those components for the vault, but you're not beating your body up. So right. rather than take 20 jumps, trying to go over a crossbar and make it look good, you're mm-hmm. underwater, slowing things down, going through the movements, and you're not beating your body up. That's important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the run, obviously, you know, sprinting workouts, different mechanics that you can work on throughout your run, uh, actual pole runs, those types of things. Um, takeoffs, Pretty, you can do some wall plants and things like that for takeoff drills, but a lot of times the best way to work on takeoffs is to do it. Uh, That's my my personal opinion. So you can segment the jump and then pick different days that kind of cater to when you need to be a hard day, when you need to be an easy day. Um, And ultimately, that helps your body, you know, develop because muscle memory is a heck of a thing. You know, if you continue to do bump every day and you try to challenge yourself, especially I see it in young, young female athletes a lot. Sometimes they struggle in the beginning trying to get those hips up, you know, and but Mm -hmm. if they do it every day after a month, you know, they can do three in a row. And then after two months, oh, they're up to five to ten in a row. You know, yeah. and then that will translate directly to when they start jumping,
0: right? And when when I think about a lot of times, it's like GPP versus SPP, right? So it's like general prep and then specific, and it's like sure, like I think you've got to use your general exercises like pull ups, push ups, bench press, what whatever. Um, but yeah, now it's like you have all those little, little muscles and the way the muscles are working to, let's say, perform a bupka, you have to do that. You know what I mean? Like you have to get on a high bar or rope or rings, like you said, you can perform the exercise there and work on it. Um, and that ultimately is going to lead you to have a lot more success when you get back on the runway and try to actually swing up.
1: Correct. Yep, yep. Yeah. When you're getting into some pretty specific training terms when you say like you know GPP and SVP, but those are things that we have worked into our, you know, yeah. our training as well. Um, little subtle exercises we do with our auxiliary lifts that also, uh, you know, apply to the different event groups that we have, Right. but you're right. Yeah. You, you work on every little thing now. And then as a the season comes, it just starts to all come together.
0: Yeah. It just, it, it blends together. And, and I know you're, you're like smiling when I, when I say GPP and SPP, but it's like, I think the more information, like, I, I don't know, this is how I think about it, Ethan. It's like, I'm trying to put out this information because I know there's a lot of coaches that don't know what GPP and SPP are. They don't know a lot about the strength and conditioning world. And the thing is, the more they can learn about that, I feel like it's going to help them become better pole vault coaches. Because I remember like, so you're going to think I'm crazy, but I used to go to like FedEx Kinko's when I was a young coach and I would literally just print shit out anything I find on pole vault and track and I would make my own spiral bound books. Right. And I remember, in fact, I had one binder that I made. That was, it was a picture of Carl Lewis on the front, like full sprint. Like he's already come out of the drive phase. Like he's just nice and tall. And it's like, it's picture perfect. I mean, he's like good running form. And I would just have all this info, you know, about his training. And then I got into like Ben Johnson and the Charlie Francis system. And, and the thing is like, the more I, I looked into that training, it started to impact my coaching of the vault. Like, I think even the way you're describing, like breaking down the vault and the different segments. And, and I agree with you too, like working on takeoff, there's no better way to work on takeoff than actually on, on the runway. The thing though, is like, you can modify it. You know, you could do it from one left, two left, three left, four left overhead, carry low carry high carry, right? Like there's all these little variables that you can add depending on what your athletes weaknesses or strengths are to try to help them improve. And it's like, That's why it's like I try to put these like kind of, I guess, nuggets of information into the podcast, because I think the more those coaches can understand that and start to see the vault as like a physical endeavor instead of a magic trick, because I feel like too many people in the pole vault world, they're like, they think it's a magic trick. Like I saw, um, you know, and no disrespect, but you know, Liza McCartney, the New Zealand pole vaulter. She, she got bronze at the, not this past Olympics, Olympics before, but there's like this video that always like resurfaces of her where they have like this pole set up where she like holds on right here. And this like machine just like lifts her up. And she's like two days
1: ago, it just popped up on my feet two days ago.
0: Right. Right. It, it always resurfaces this time of year. And I'm like, dude, it's like she's basically doing a high bar exercise or something you could do on a rope or rings. It's like, but you're adding the pull and it lifts her up what 15 feet in the air. And it's like, do you need to do that? Like, you know, but again, it's like that, that gimmicky type thing. And it's like, I, I wish people would like get away from the gimmicks and start to focus on like the real work and effort. Like, to be honest, I, I even think like a lot of the people who, you know, are resistant to like, let's say, strength and conditioning work for pole vaulters, I think they're resistant to it because strength and conditioning work can be boring. It is hard. You know what I mean? Like you have to just, you know, it's a lot of elbow grease where it's like, I'd rather just buy some thing, you know, that like promises me to PR and I just like hang on a bungee type cord thing, holding onto a rope. And I did a five of those, like I should PR, right, Ethan? You know, well, I
1: think, I think that's kind of the, the American way of the instant gratification. You know, we want, we want the easy fix and we want it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it, you're right. You know, the hard work comes in the weight room. You know, I think uh, I'm sure, you know, all the numbers. And by the way, I know that you're crazy. I knew that long before. I <laughs> uh, but uh, if you look at the numbers, I mean, the, the meters per second, an athlete's running once a mm-hmm. takeoff is extremely important in the ball, the faster you are, the higher you're going to jump. And how do you get faster? Get stronger, yeah, stronger you know right. and that's that's the bottom line you could get stronger just from running or you could get faster just from running every day but you start working in some resistance training focusing on, on different types of you know muscle groups here and there like you're going to get faster and if you get faster you jump on bigger poles and what happens when you jump on bigger poles you go higher yeah, right? yeah you jump higher, uh, that's yeah. how physics works you know yeah, 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 yeah. you know yeah. but I, I guess with the uh all the terminology and stuff that you're talking about i'm used to talking to 17 to 22 year old
0: Mm-hmm. you know, young
1: adults. I don't talk to coaches really on a daily basis about right. training. So I tend to dumb a lot of the stuff I have down yeah. um, to relate to them, but everything you're saying is correct. You know, we, we use those same principles, you know, in our day-to-day training. And if, I guess if once coaches can grasp those concepts, they'll really be able to start developing great programs for their athletes. So they can really mm-hmm. improve.
0: Right. Yeah. hundred uh, percent. And, and I, I think even like from the athlete standpoint, it's, it's interesting because um I had a guy come in last week. Um, it's one of our adult clients. He just started with us. Uh, he's post-collegiate. It's just a guy that wants to jump kind of for fun and see how high he can jump. And he started asking me about all these different training systems, right? So um, I'm sure you know, uh, what is it, Cal Dietz, the triphasic system? Yeah, Yeah, tri- yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was funny. The guy's asking me about the triphasic system. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm familiar, you know, uh, w- with that system. And I go, but let me ask you a question. I'm like, now this is an adult male. He probably weighs 150 pounds. I'm like, what's your best squat ever? And he goes, 205. And I'm like, dude, I don't think you have to get that complicated. You could literally just do sets of 10. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> try a basic chart. But but it's like, I, I tell people sometimes like, you don't have to get that complicated. Like people try to get fancy too quick sometimes, too. Like, even with, with this training, like people will Google, like, let's say, like a strength and conditioning program. And it's like, It's got all these percentages and slow on the way down, explosive on the way up, or, uh, you know, fast on the way down, uh, slow on the way up, a pause, you know, this, bands, chains, blah, blah, and they start to get wild, and it's like, okay, just squat, just squat, and when you hit a decent enough number, then we can start to get a little bit fancier and talk about what you need to do to push that number up, And, and I feel like, again, even going back to the pole vault stuff, like that Liza McCartney video of like that thing, the, the
1: pole that's really cool. It looks really cool. It looks like a lot of fun. Right.
0: How many people are going to have access to that? Right. <laughs> so. Well, yeah. Access is one. Uh, two. Also, I can't imagine somebody trying to rig that thing on their own and figure it out how dangerous that could end up being. But, um, yeah. but here's the thing. It's like, do you need that? You know what I mean? Like, like you can do that in a lot simpler way and actually work on the movement and also get stronger. You know what I mean? It's like, before people get fancy, they've got to get get those basics down. And and again, I guess to kind of bring it back to where how we started with this, it's like fall is a perfect time to go back to basics. You don't have a conference championship that you're trying to prep for in, in a week or two. You know, you don't have anything else that's psychological in your mind. You're not worried about, and I guess this is how I'll segue, you're not worried about Ethan Senecal coming to watch you at your county meet because you're trying to go to Susquehanna, right? Yeah. Um, so you can kind of really, really focus on those basics, um, in the fall. Um, now that being said, I mentioned recruiting, um, I said to you before the podcast started, this is also a time of year where I get a lot of athletes and parents talking to me, uh, either their, their son or daughter, or the kid is a junior or senior in high school. And they're like, start asking me questions about pole vault. Like, Hey, I'd like to pole vault in college, you know? What do you think I need to jump, or you know, what what are colleges looking for? Um, maybe you can speak to that. I mean, and not just about Susquehanna, but maybe kind of give us a, a full picture of like what are college programs looking for, and how high do I need to jump to jump
1: in college? What, what, what do you what do you think about those kind of questions? I mean, those are all we we hear those questions a lot, um, and I think the number one thing that uh, either a, a prospective student athlete or the family needs to realize, is what do you want to study in school? That is the number one thing that you need to figure out, or at least yeah. to feel. you might not know exactly what you want to do, but you need to kind of figure out, do I want to go into sciences? Do I want to go into education? Mm-hmm. Um, because that will really kind of be able to, to narrow down some schools for you. Right you now. And then once you can kind of figure out where you want to go, because obviously every school is going to have its niche, whether it's a you know a state school or a private school, they're going to have their niche. You know, Susquehanna University has a great business program, um, but we've also got a great creative writing program along with great sciences, you know, um, great journalist program. But other schools, you know, across the country, you know, especially some of the New Jersey state schools, Mm. some schools are going to have great nursing programs. Right. Some schools are going to have great engineering programs. Right. So you need to make sure you figure out what you want to study first, because, you know, while you want to pull vault in college, there's always that chance that you could get hurt. You know, right. and if you can't vault in college, you want to make sure you're getting a good education. And that's division one, two, or three. Right. Um, the next thing you kind of want to look at, in my opinion, is coaching. You want to make coaching and facilities, I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. You want to make sure that that university has a facility where you can practice. Um, mm-hmm. Coaching, you need to make sure you have a pole vault coach. Um, mm-hmm. if, you, if there's no one there that's really knowledgeable, it's going to be tough. I know with clubs, there's a lot of people that are practicing with clubs nowadays, and that's awesome. Um, but I still think in my personal opinion, it's better to have a coach on site at the university. Mm-hmm. I think that is a huge plus. Uh, polls. Polls is really important. Yeah. You know, you need to make sure that school has the polls that you need to that you need to be successful. Um, so many schools, you know, and I'm not going to name any names around us, but there's, you know, some state schools near us that only have 15 foot poles for guys. So, you know, right. if you're a male that's jumping on poles 14 foot, you're SOL. Well. You know, you're not, yeah, you're, you're yeah. not there. You're going to have to get a lot stronger, almost get hurt in order to do it. Yeah. Um, being the coordinator of the program, I'm very fortunate. Um, I control the budget, so I'm able to purchase whatever polls I need. And I don't right. have to answer to anybody, which is awesome. So, you know, in the past uh, three years since I've been here, we've we've filled the complete series from 13 to 15 feet. Uh, right. Polls, which is awesome. Um, so I, I think those are, are the main things. You know, you need to look at academic programs, number one facilities, coaching, and then, uh, availability of equipment. Um, those are all extremely important. You know, once, once you can kind of figure that out, then you can start thinking, all right. And my D2, my D3, D1, um, I've found as I've moved further South uh, into Pennsylvania, New Jersey, there's a lot of athletes that think they're scholarship athletes. Um, Right. What that means is a lot of the schools you're going to go to are going to pay for your books. That's the bottom line. There's very few, full rides for just both authors right not many of them yeah and if if you are able to get one of those full rides that is amazing congratulations you earned it um but it's I think academics needs to be number one Um, I think that you know make sure you go see as many schools as you can you know because there's going to be a very different feel if you're going to look at you know Rutgers New Brunswick Compared to, uh, I guess, a Ramapo, you know, those are going to be very different fields, types types of schools. And it's important that you feel comfortable on that campus, because once again, I'll go back to say for some reason you can't compete. You need to be happy in that environment. Right. Uh, So those to me are the main things you need to look at. Uh, Once you narrow down your, your schools, Mm -hmm. I think it's important that you, you know, try to go on an overnight. I know with COVID it is, uh, you know, it's a little limiting right now with what schools are offering overnights. I will say Susquehanna University is open for overnight visits. We actually have our first one in two years uh, this coming weekend. Uh, Mm -hmm. So schools are starting to open back up and I encourage those student athletes to go go on those visits, go on those overnights, get to know your teammates because those are the people you're going to spend a lot of time with. Yeah, You need to make sure that you get along with them in order to be happy. If you're not happy at the university, you're not going to be successful either in academics or athletics.
0: Yeah, well, so you you brought up a bunch of stuff that I I want to touch upon. I I guess I'll go in reverse order. I mean, the last thing that you just mentioned, I think that's huge, right? Like, do you fit into the culture of that team and university or or college? You know, it's like, because like you said, one the academics have to line up. So if you go to a school where like, let's say you're really into engineering and you want to really be sciencey and just like really geek out and all that stuff. And you go to a school that, yeah, it has engineering, but it's not that focused or it's that doesn't have your academic needs. That's not going to work. Also, let's say, Hey, you really want to train hard. You want to jump as high as you possibly can. And you go to a, a team that I mean, let's just face it. They have a huge party atmosphere. It's kind of like a school where people just, they end up making it there and they kind of just hang on for four years. That's not going to be the right team atmosphere. Like going back to the example, like, I mean, I, again, I know the type of person you are and I know the kind of ship that you run. So, but I'll, I'll use a, a former place that you went Brockport. Like that was like a grinding team. Like you, if you wanted to grind and see how high you could jump, that was a perfect spot. And I'm sure you're doing the same thing as Susquehanna. So that's going to work. So you have to see what, what fits. Because I know even me at Ramapo over the years, I would say I was not the best recruiter. Because if even if someone was talented and they came, I made sure they knew. It was like, hey, if you're coming to Ramapo because you want to get a good education and you'd like to jump as high as you can, you're going to grind. Awesome. If you're coming for any other reason, probably not going to work out. You know what I mean? Like If you just want to goof off and whatever. That's where this is not going to be a good mix. The chemistry is going to be off. The other thing I wanted to mention, like you brought up poles. I think that's so huge. Like you said, if you go to a school that they just like, they just have those 15 foot poles, not only it's like, even if you do jump on 15 foot poles, what are you going to do other than your long run? I guess you're just stuck with just straight pole drills. Like you can't do anything short. So that, that makes it very difficult. And I know a lot of times, like I'll tell my athletes, like, listen, you may have someone tell you, oh, we'll buy all the poles you need. That that's real easy to say, it's it's a different thing to do because you might. I can't tell you how many athletes I've had who were promised that, and then when they get to campus, it's like, well, we can get you one or two. And and I mean, you know, I mean, hopefully, everybody listening to the podcast, like one or first of all, it's a big difference between one or two, and then also it's like that's still not enough. Like for a vaulter who's who's jumping decent, you you need more pulls than that. The question I wanted to ask you, and I want to give you two scenarios. Let's say. I'm a high school girl. I'd really like to jump in college. Um, my PR is eight six. Okay, um, and then I'll give you the other end of the spectrum. Let's say I'm a high school boy. I jump fifteen six. I want to jump in college. What what advice would you give to either of those about you know what it, what is it going to take to get on a college team? What's the right place for me to be? Let's let's address that eight six girl first. What what would you say to that?
1: Well, if I was going to do like uh, Susquehanna specifically, you know, we'll just mm-hmm. stick with 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 yeah, my yeah. scenario. Um, first thing I'm going to ask is what their grades are. You know, Susquehanna mm-hmm. is a very high achieving academic school. Mm-hmm. Um, our women's GPA last year was, uh, I think, a, a three seven. Oh, last last wow. semester was a 3. 7 team GPA. So yeah. we're very strong achieving. So I'm going to ask, you know, how are your grades? Um, you know, make sure that fits for us. Mm-hmm. Um, gonna kind of, I'm going to ask them like. What they do for vault I, you know I, unfortunately i do know a lot of the clubs in the area right so i kind of have an idea of how they jump um mm. and i ask them like you know what's your style a, a big question i always ask. do you count up or down that's a big question i always ask all of our kids just to kind of see where they're at where their head's at um with the vault see how much knowledge they have themselves yeah um and then you know get into the different programs now we're fortunate uh, our our conference is kind of wide open in the vault so eight six could potentially score in our conference. So with a little bit of development, 10 feet, definitely scoring in our conference. So I'm going to sell that as, you know, listen, you could come in, put some work in, you could be contributor right away. You know, now, if we were to say it was like a, I'm going to change your scenario here and say it was like a 10 foot guy, 10 foot guy is not scoring in the conference, but if it's someone, you know, maybe they have potential as far as they're tall or, you know, they, they have some, some markers that show they could improve a lot. Then I'm going to say, if you're going to come in every day and you want to work hard, we'll take the chance on you. You know but like you said like we we don't take those people that want to come here just for a good time uh, right. We have certain policies we do not do overnight visits between thursday and sunday um, well you Eddie, can come on sunday nights but you cannot come on the weekend uh, we're against that for the reason of if you want to come to our university just to hang out on the weekend you're not going to be a good fit for our program. right
0: right no i i think that that that's a really good good uh i, I good protocol for you guys yeah. and yeah. and i and i want to just say too I think this is great, like what you're saying, because I think a lot of times people falsely think like, I mean, listen, we're going through a great time period in the vault where it's like, we, it seems like every other high school boy is jumping like 17 plus and every other high school girl is jumping 14, right? So you, if you are that girl that jumps eight, six, or you even brought up a high school boy jumping 10 or 11, right? It's like, you may think it's like, wow, I guess like, I just can't jump in college, but you can, you can find a place where, like you said, it's like, if you're willing to come in and do the work and that that's what I always tell people. Cause I even, uh, this was maybe five years ago. I had a girl that graduated high school. Her PR was only seven, six. She was a tiny little thing. Um, you know, but she, she was really nice kid, really sweet. And she actually went to, I guess it's Delaware Valley state. That's in PA. Right. And you know, the head coach there wasn't a pole vault guy, but you know, he was really hard worker too, as a coach. And he helped that girl anyway. She she ended up jumping nine, 10. You know what I mean? She had a great time training and jumping, got a good education. Uh, she wanted to be a veterinarian. I guess they have a strong veterinarian program there. So it's like, you know, it's like it works. So it's like you can find a school. It's like you don't have to be like an elite vaulter to jump in college. You know,
1: I, I think what it is, is I, I think they get that perception of, you know, if I'm not division one, why why do it? You know, and right. Deeper mentality. You know, it's all about inclusion. You know, it's for those individuals that absolutely love a sport and want to get education. You know, D3 athletes aren't going to any college for the money. They're not, that's not right. part of, you know, the the mission of Division right. three. You know, they're going there to get a good education. And if you can compete and have fun doing it, that's a huge bonus.
0: Right, right. And,
1: and you're 100% correct. And depending on the schools you look at, there's going to be some D3 schools that are going to have higher standards depending right. on what conference they're in. But there's some D3 schools where some of their girls' PRs might be six feet. And right. But the reason being, they probably don't have a pole vault coach and they probably don't have any poles. That's a big part of that.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, And completely opposite. The the conversation I would have with the 15-6 guy is Mm. what am I going to do to make them a national champion? Right. Obviously, that individual has competed at a high level already. You know, we're still going to go through, you know, what academic major are you looking for? What's your GPA? Are you going to be able to, you know, cut it here? Our men's GPA was a three, three, four last semester. So they are also high academically achieving. So we need to make sure that they fit in that niche as well. But then I'm going to explain like, you know, listen, I I get people to that level. And when we get to that meet, I make sure they perform well. Like I, as a coach know how to get people to perform well at the big competitions.
0: Right. If you
1: come here, we're going to have X, Y, and Z polls for you. We're going to make sure if we need to order 16s, we'll order 16s. You know, right. we're going to go through the process of, we're going to make sure we do everything we can so that you're successful. Right. You know, but I will also say this, I found out a long time ago that hard work trumps talent every day of the week. Yeah. You might be the best athlete in the country, but if you got a bad attitude and you don't want to work hard, you're not going to amount to much. Yeah. You know, so in some certain cases, I would rather take that 11 foot guy that I, that I know is going to show up to lift every day and grind. He's going to do what he needs to in study hall to make sure his grades are on point, And he's going right. to be a good teammate. You know, those are really important pillars for our program. Yeah. and Just making sure that everybody's on that same page. I want to make sure that our, our, if we have an 11 foot guy and our 15 foot guy, you know, are all getting the same work in at practice, the same amount of reps, you know, they're getting the same amount of treatment. That's a really important, you know, part of mm-hmm. my coaching philosophy, mm-hmm. you know, and it is sometimes a D3 model. That's what it is. You know, what we talked about Zach Ferrar earlier, Look what he did, he went from 13 to, to almost 18 feet. Right. Know, in his career. You know, so that right. development's there if you want to put the work in. Right. And, and talk uh, about, you know,
0: personality and mindset. I mean, Zach is great. I mean, what a positive, positive definitely. person, um, you know, and definitely put in the hard work and, and effort. And going back to what you said, even about the Division three mentality, um, you know, it's funny. I'm wearing a David Goggins T-shirt and it's like I love David Goggins. And there's one video he put out where he's like, listen, uh, you know, I'm not going to the Olympics. You know, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. But I still grind. And I think that mentality of like, you know, sure, you may not be elite level, but having the discipline in your life to train, to have the scheduling, you know, I think that's huge because I think a lot of times even a high school kid that goes to college and doesn't have a sport, they all of a sudden have a lot more free time. And all of a sudden, those are the kids that they get close to the end of the semester. And it's like, oh, shit, I have a lot of papers due. I have all the stuff I didn't do. Whereas like a lot of the times with athletes, because they have the schedule of training and they have a lot more on their plate, they know it's like, okay, I can't lag behind. I can't take for granted the time. And the thing is that's better preparing them for adult life. Because as you become an adult, it's like, you realize like, no, 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 no. I can't just lounge around all day. Like I have things I have to get done. There's a lot on my plate. And if I don't take care of things when I'm supposed to, it, it's never, I'll never catch up. Those are just things that are left undone,
1: you know? No, you're, you're 100% correct. You know, You know the time management skills that we teach as student athletes is extremely important as they develop into contributing members of society. You mm-hmm. know, and one thing that you touched on, I'm trying to remember what it was now, going back in my brain, um, but it was something along the lines of, I'm blanking, I can't remember what it was. It was uh, not the... Sorry, someone's knocking on my door, too. It's distracting me. (laughs) Something that I just said? Yeah, something you just said. It was about uh, Just not, even though I can't be an Olympian? Nah, something about grinding, but whatever. Teaching these kids, you know, to be positive, contributing members of society is extremely important. You know, oh, I noticed the GPAs. You mentioned someone that has all the free time, you know, on their hands. You know, that basically, as you... I've learned that we'll have student athletes that might quit because they want to focus on academics. Right, it's a well-known stat across all of the uh, the colleges, not just Susquehanna, but all the colleges that a student athlete will have a higher GPA of about two tenths of a point than a non-student athlete. Yeah, and I know here at Susquehanna, it's even higher. It's like almost a half a point. Um, Student athletes have a higher GPA than non-student athletes because you're right. You know they don't have to worry about. All right, I have practice at four o'clock. I know I have lift at six. I got to get my work done before two o'clock, and I got to eat. It's like, oh, I'm going to stay up and play Fortnite for a few hours. You know, go to bed at three. It's just you know, but it prepares them for the real world and and jobs and whatnot.
0: Well, it's funny. I mean, there's like that old saying, you know, that cliche that I don't know if people even. Uh, think deeply about, but it's like idle hands are the devil's playground, right? It's like, if you have nothing to do, Yes. Um, you waste a lot of time or get into, get yourself into, into trouble. And I think that's exactly right. Like a student athlete, they know they need to get eight hours sleep, you know, or try to get at least eight hours sleep. They know that they've got to schedule out their meals because they've got class, they've got workouts, they've got to study, they've got to write papers. Right. So everything starts to get more planned out. Um, I I know even personally, it's like, it's funny, like, like this past summer um, kind of through I think mid to late August, uh, starting, I think the weekend before July Fourth. It's like I didn't have a single day off. I was going straight through the summer, and even there was like a a youth uh, track camp that was thrown in one week. So I was like working like from nine a.m. till uh, ten p.m. You know, and it was like I got a lot of work done. It was I almost felt more productive then than I do now in the fall because I have a little bit of time. So it's like I'm like I, I have a little bit of time to relax here, and it's like yeah, that's where you kind of trick yourself. You think you have time, but you you, you really don't. You know, you have to use that time. Um, and I, I think that shows, like you said, that's that's an alarming stat that I think a lot of people don't know. It's like man, student athletes have a 0.2 GPA higher than a non-student athlete. It's like that's. That's crazy. Cause, cause you're right. You'll hear even parents sometimes say, well, I, I think, you know, Johnny needs to take time off of sport, you know, and focus on school. Good luck. I don't know if they're going to focus
1: on school. <laughs> it's, they not, might, it's not how it works. works. It's yeah, never, yeah. Never they works might, they the might focus
0: they on, like you said, Fortnite or, yes. you know, Snapchat, or you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if they're going to focus on school, you know? Yeah. So, um, I, I want one more thing. We, mm-hmm. we can do this quickly you've also over the years been, uh, involved in the, the rock back, uh, beach ball and yes. a wonderful, wonderful event. I think it's one of the best events that, that I attend. Um, I think, you know, you guys have always done a great job. Like the, the meat moves, you run the meat as smoothly as possible. Um, I think also the music you, you soon, uh, this summer you weren't involved, but you usually mm-hmm. announce you do a great job. Um, what are, what are your, uh, kind of like, uh, pieces of advice for people who want to run a successful pole, pole event. That's fun and exciting, you know, cause I'll get people hitting me up and they're like, Bronco, like I'm going to be running a meet for the first time. What do I need to do? Cause I think sometimes it's hard for people who coach, right? It's like, you have that coach's hat on and now you have to run a meet. It's different, right? Like coaching, you're, you're on your athletes. You're trying to make sure they have a good day, but having an event making it fun and enjoyable that people want to return to. That's, that's a little bit different animal. What's
1: your advice to people who are trying to run events? You always got to keep in mind the uh, we call it the student athlete experience, but it's just the experience of the the participant. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been running events, athletic events for 15 years now with with college athletics. So, you know, paying attention to detail is extremely important. You know, I'm very particular with how I want things to look. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Andy when he's putting down the runway, He's making sure that that sand is groomed. Nobody's walking across it because nothing's worse than when you get to 30 feet on the runway and there's a kink in it, you know, that's the worst, the worst possible feeling you can feel as a vaulter. So preparation is extremely important. You know, there's a lot of work that goes into it, making sure that all your registration sheets are in order. Um, Multiple copies are extremely important. Qualified officials and volunteers, number one. That is the number one thing, because if that meet runs slow, it affects everyone's yeah. experience, not just participants. It affects your experience because you're going to be there longer. You're going to be cleaning up a lot later than you anticipated. Yeah. Your spectators aren't going to have as much fun because there's going to be a long time in between jumps. Yeah, and pole vault's fun when people jump over the bar. Like okay. It's not fun if you're just standing on the runway. right right? so preparation having great qualified employees like you might have to spend a couple extra dollars to get a good official spend that couple extra dollars to get that good official Mm -hmm. you know uh, it's not all about the money i think that's where sometimes event organizers get lost they all want to make their make their profit and pole vault's not really that that world where you're going to make a big a big dollar off of it you know you're gonna you're there for the student athletes you want them to have a positive experience um and make it fun, you know. I love announcing the beach ball. You know, it's it's a lot of fun to be on the mic and being able to know the event. I know a lot of the competitors and coaches, and you know, being able to joke around with them during the event gets the the uh, spectators engaged. Having good music, you know, I sit down for two three days in advance and start working on the playlist for right. the beach ball. You know, I make sure that you know the elite competition has a separate high energy playlist. And then we've got you know some different ones that we separate throughout the day. You know, while country music's great and I love country music, not everybody wants to hear Tim McGraw when they're sitting there watching a pole ball competition. Right,
0: right, right. And it's right.
1: not about you; it's about the crowd, making sure that everybody has a good experience.
0: So you you um, bring it. You bring up something that I think is a good point because even I think about that uh, for like my practice playlist. Like I have an Apex practice playlist, and listen, I personally like the songs that are on it but I specifically picked certain songs that I think are conducive to practice. Like, yeah. I, I feel like sometimes people are like, well, I love this song. So everyone else will. And it's like, that's not necessarily the case. I have other playlists on my phone that I like those songs. I would never put them in a practice playlist, you know? So yeah. I think that that's important. Um, go, go ahead. I cut yeah, you off. Um,
1: little touches, you know, if you're, if you have the ability to announce, you know, different athletes, I know with the elite competition, you know, so I guess a big thing is have a good announcer. You know, yeah. have someone that's high energy, um, that's fun. You know, you don't want someone that's stiff. A lot of your athletic announcers are now, an or, you know, coming up to, you know, the runway, yeah. Robert, like it's boring. Like you want someone that's going to be fun, energetic when they clear the bar. you want people getting the, the uh, spectators engaged? Being knowledgeable and able to express that and teach the crowd is important. Um, I yeah. know in Rochester they do it on the beach, and it's just there's usually a festival going on. Half of the spectators there might have never seen pole vault before in their life, right. so you might have to explain some things here and there for them. Um, but ultimately, being organized, prepared, and having good workers is the number one thing. Yeah, you know that is the most important thing. Do your homework. You know, make sure you're not going to lose lose your all your money. You know, right. for the, make sure you make a profit, but you know, keep, always keep in mind the, the experience of the, the participants and the spectators and just make it a fun event. You know, yeah. I've been to a lot of different events. whether it be Akron, Reno, um, mm. Jersey Beach Vaults? I've been to different, you know, I guess other street vaults and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the ones that are the best ones have a great announcer that plays good music, you know, right. that has good energy. Whether mm-hmm. it's a kid jumping eight feet or not, that still could be a PR for them. Right. You know I mean? Just because it's, you know, the middle school boys pit doesn't mean some of those kids aren't, aren't popping off and jumping foot PRs.
0: Yeah. So I, I think
1: even like what
0: you're bringing up is huge. Like um, I think sometimes as pole vaulters, uh, we become something like wine snobs. You know what I mean? Like you, you, like me and you could probably sit and watch a pole vault meet. And if we're, it's just a me and you talking about, like, Oh my God, that is trash. That is an awful <laughs> jump. And <it laughs> I would never say hear, that. Like, yeah. yeah. Sure. And, and it could, but it could be somebody like jumping 18 plus. Right. And be like, Oh, I really didn't like his takeoff. You know, that was terrible, yeah. you know, but it's like, but the thing is like, when you're announcing a meet, the thing is, it's like, no one, like you said, you have to educate people. And then also, especially it's like, okay, maybe it's a little bit different. If it's like the, the, the top tier competition that you have, you could be like, Oh, like they should have went up a poll and like, you know, provide a little bit of feedback like that. But it's like, no, yeah. That kid that cleared eight, six, that, that could be a PR pump it up, you know, like (laughs) clap it up for the person, even if they didn't turn, who cares? It doesn't matter. It's supposed to be fun. Like you said. Um, the, the other thing that I was going to say, Oh, and now now I'm like you. I, I'm oh, you're blanking. blanking. Yes. Yeah, I'm not going to like they were me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm blanking. But um, but yeah, it, it's just you You have to make it a fun experience. Oh, this is what I was going to bring up. And um, I remember when we ran public club championships uh, here, we did it two years in a row. We didn't do last summer. Um, but like there was a couple kids that no heighted. And I noticed. Right. So I, I pulled those kids aside. and I, I played a little dumb. I was like, oh, like, are you having fun? Like, you yeah, you having a good experience? And like, oh, man, I know. Height. I'm like, well, here, come with me. And I brought them to like the tent that we had, like T-shirts for sale and stuff like that. And I was like, here, have a T-shirt on me. And they're like, yeah. no, 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 no. I don't want to take it. I'm like, no, like it, it would be my, my pleasure. Like, please have it. I can't fix the no height, but I want you to have a good time. Here's a T-shirt. And I think little things like that can go a long way. Even if you notice maybe someone's not having a great time or something happened, you know, maybe you can't fix their performance, but you could make sure that they have as much fun as possible that day. And I think yeah. that's, that's really huge because uh, I know running an event can be super, super stressful, but you have to always remember at the end of the day that it's your job to make sure people are having fun.
1: No, correct. And, and I, I guess I need to I need to be very clear. Andy Fetzner and Aaron Fetzner, are the ones that run the Rochester rockback beach fall, they do a phenomenal job of getting the t-shirts, getting the, the, the prizes that we give away. He has phenomenal awards. He gets a few sponsors that help pay for some stuff, all that stuff. Andy and Aaron do a phenomenal job. Andy's done this for years with the help of Tim and some other people. Um, I was specifically just talking about the components yeah. that go into it. Yeah, and you're right. Free giveaways, you know, whether it's be throwing out t-shirts, you know, just making sure people have a good time. And you're right. That, that athlete that no hide it still paid is 50 to $75, depending on the the, the competition, you know, in some of them, sometimes you're driving eight hours, you know, I know I drove almost eight hours to one of the events paying for hotels for the weekend. It's an expensive event for, not just for that, that student athlete, but for their family, you know, a lot of times it might be their only family vacation. They take that summer.
0: You know, yeah. so it's
1: important that you make them feel like they got, they got what they paid for out of the event. You know, right. It's really important. As Americans, we talk about Instagram gratification, all that type of stuff. You also want to, you want to get what you pay for. You know, you want to feel like right. you got a deal if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, you
0: know, yeah, yeah. Different yeah.
1: things like giving out that shirt to the kid that no hide it, making sure you have awards. Sunglasses are really cheap. Everyone loves a pair of those cheap sunglasses that might have like your own logo on it. So you yeah, can it, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just things like little things like that uh, can really go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Um, I feel like we talked about so much today. we talked about training and yeah. recruiting and now we're going on to events.
0: Yeah. That's- yeah. No, we, we, we covered a lot of stuff and, and, and I'm very, very thankful uh, for your time, Ethan. And uh, I, I know you, you probably have to go, so we'll probably end the podcast right now. Is there anything else that you'd like to add uh, anywhere? Where, where can uh, people follow uh Sesquahana track and field uh, on social media?
1: Yeah, so we have a very active Instagram page. Um, it's Susqu, S U S Q U I'm going to double check that real quick just to make sure <laughs> there's no uh, underscore in that. I'm pretty sure that's all it is. But yeah, it's right uh, here. Sus- yeah, it's Suscu, X-C-T-F. Okay. Um, we also have a Facebook page. You can go to, uh, just look up Susquehanna Cross Country Track and Field. Um, you can also go to our athletics website. Um, but Honestly, just Google Susquehanna cross country track and field. Um, if you are a pole vaulter or even just any track athlete in general, you know, looking for a D3 school uh, in Pennsylvania um, that has great uh, programs in, in, in uh, uh, science, um, uh, my phone's ringing, um, uh, in science, business, um, creative writing, journalism, all those types of programs, you know, let me know. Uh, my email address is senecal at susq. that's S-E-N-E-C-A-L at s-u-s-q-u dot edu yep yeah um you know it's it's been awesome talking with you man i feel like we talked about so much because we took you know 10 years of podcast and crammed it into one (laughs) You know, um for those of you that don't know, I did get on him quite a bit a couple weekends ago. I was like, dude, I've known you for 10 years. I've never <laughs> been on your podcast. What's going on? You know. Yeah. But it is it is a unique situation. Me being the, the coordinator of the program um and and being a pole vault coach is pretty unique. There's not many schools yeah. out there that have that. Um so I bring a, a little bit of a unique, you know, vision to the program. And it it's it's Susquehanna's a special place, you know, as lots of schools are. But if you're interested, get a hold of us, follow us on Instagram. Um we're almost to, I think, 1,200 followers. So it'd be dope if we could get to 1,200, uh, you know, oh. by the end of the week.
0: <laughs> well, and yeah, and I, I would say for anybody, I think that is huge. The fact that you are the coordinator and you have that pole vault background, you know, as a pole vaulter, if you end up going to Susquehanna, you're going to be taken care of. And I always say that to all my athletes, like, because I know even at Apex, you know, we have a certain system and we have our wrinkles that are a little bit different. But I, I always have advised people, it's like, listen, if you're going to school where there is a public coach, they have polls, they have facilities, that's huge. And that's going to go a long way. Um, whereas on the opposite end of the spectrum, uh, you go somewhere where there is no coach or there's not a lot of polls or you know, it, it, it's a lot, lot tougher, you know? Um, so, I mean, to end the podcast and, and let you go, just if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with friends. Um, Also, you can subscribe on YouTube, Apex Vaulting, or check us out on iTunes podcast. Um, On Instagram, it's The Real Apex Vaulting. And on Facebook and Twitter, it's just Apex Vaulting. Thanks for watching, everybody. And um, if you have any comments or questions, please email us at apexvaulting uh, at gmail.com. Yeah, B just flew by. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Ethan.
1: Thanks for having me.